welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. I'm Rachel, Program Director at Strong Towns. Today, we're talking with a founding member of Strong Towns who has been a part of this movement since the very beginning, John Zimmerman. John cares deeply about community health and well-being, and he founded Active Towns to help cities think about and create more opportunities for physical activity within neighborhoods. But he wasn't always an activist in this way. For much of his career, John was in charge of developing wellness programs and fitness centers for larger corporations. He brings that insight and experience, plus his own passion for athleticism, into his Active Towns work today, creating podcasts, articles, and videos, plus speaking around the world about making cities more walkable, bikeable, and broadly active. At Strong Towns, our focus is building financial resilience in communities across North America, and it turns out that many of the practices which build this financial health also result in healthier people. Things like sidewalks that allow people to enjoyably and safely walk to a store or restaurant, beautiful parks that provide a place for people to be outside and also raise property values around them, bike paths that attract visitors and provide an easy route to work for residents. John uses the term activity assets to describe all these sorts of things and anything else that helps someone be physically active in their place. Listen and keep an eye out for the activity assets in your own community. What does your town have going for it, and where could it do better? John Zimmerman inspires valuable thought on how to build more active towns, so listen in to my conversation with him now. John Zimmerman, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? I like to, to, to joke and say that I'm a health promotion uh, professional turned content creator. For the past 30 plus years, I've been uh, actively involved in trying to promote health and healthy behaviors. And uh, about, I'd say about 15 years ago, I really got engaged with the built environment and how that impacts healthy, active living. And so about a decade ago, I launched uh, Advocates for Healthy Communities and the Active Towns Initiative. And that's that's what I put all my efforts and time into now is uh, Active Towns. And uh, we produce a, a bunch of content, both podcasts, <laughs> the Active Towns podcast, as well as uh, producing videos and film and then traveling around the country, traveling around the world, uh, profiling what uh, cities are doing, what communities are doing to create healthy, active places. So a, a lot of it is is in alignment with the Strong Towns movement. And in fact, I'm a, a proud member of Strong Towns, founding member of uh, the membership base of Strong Towns, and then uh, also have had the opportunity to uh, make my way up to Brainerd and and uh, hang out with Chuck a little bit and have had the honor to be on uh, the Strong Towns podcast a, a few times. Yeah, thank you so much for being such an engaged and dedicated part of this movement. And we have loved watching um, the work that you do at Active Towns, too. I think that you and I might have met at the first Strong Towns gathering in Minneapolis. Is that, were you there? Like 2014? Oh my gosh, gosh. I was. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. I sure was. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. 
So I know that you travel around the world a lot, but where do you call home for yourself? Um, what's, what's your community? Yeah, so currently I reside in uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, when I first launched the movement, uh, I was living on the big island in Hawaii, uh, Hawaii Island. So that made my <laughs> my commute <laughs> to, to Boulder, which is where the Active Towns uh, organization is uh, incorporated in Boulder, Colorado. Most of my board of directors are in the Boulder, Denver area. But yeah, so uh, we made the move here to the Austin area, and we're, we're in a uh, what you would term, you know, one of the first ring suburbs. You know, we're walking distance to the downtown area, uh, down to the lake, and then across the lake into the downtown area. So 1930s, 1940s uh, era development, and yeah, so we've been super, super stoked. We landed here in this neighborhood, in this area, in 2014, late 2014. Cool. I always like to get a picture of where people are coming from. Is there an origin story or moment to Active Towns? Was there something that like the light bulb clicked for you and you decided to get this started or was it more of a gradual process for you? Well, it was certainly gradual in the sense that, again, I've been actively working on creating healthy places for people for the last 30 years. I mean, that's what what I studied for, what I, I, I got engaged with right out of graduate school. But really, the shift, as I had mentioned, uh, it was about yeah, roughly 15 years or so ago, was when I sort of stepped away from from my first career, which was really focused on creating healthy environments uh, on corporate campuses. So I was in the what what you would call the corporate fitness world or corporate health and wellness world, where I worked with very large corporations, Motorola, IBM, uh, you know, folks like that, and we built fitness centers and wellness programs. And so I had nurses and exercise physiologists working for me. And, uh, you know, we would create an environment on these corporate campuses to encourage healthy, active living. Well, I, I sort of got burned out on that after about 15 years and had a, a few other f- career, you know, dabbled in, in, in a few other different areas, but made the move from Boulder, Colorado to Honolulu, Hawaii. And that was really the change. That was really the thing that shocked me out of, uh, I guess, the complacency of, you know, when you're a fish in water, you don't really think about water. And when I was, you know, an active person in Boulder, Colorado, I didn't really think about what made Boulder so incredibly special until I moved to Honolulu. Well, here I am, I'm moving to paradise and, and I'm moving from one paradise to another paradise. And I'm thinking that, you know, hey, this is going to be great. I can, I'm going to have endless summer. I can surf all the time and I can uh, train for triathlons all the time. And because I was a, a triathlete and Ironman distance triathlete at the time. And I was like, gosh, this is going to be great. I, I show up in Honolulu and it is the most inhospitable hellscape when it comes to the streets. Trying to run and trying to uh, ride a bike in Honolulu was just, it was so, so hostile. And I I got frustrated. I literally pulled out of Ironman Canada, which was the race I was supposed to do that year. I sold my my racing bike because I didn't want to be out on the roads. I stopped running as much as I normally would have done. And I spent all my time in the water. I just, I bought a couple extra surfboards. I joined 
the Hawaiian uh, Canoe Club, uh, the Hawaiian Paddling Canoe Club, Huinalu. And that became my new, for, for the next year, that became my new life. Well, a career opportunity came up after a year that gave me the opportunity to move from Oahu, the island of Oahu, to the big island, the, the island of Hawaii, and, uh, and, and move to Kona. You or, and, and many of your listeners may or may not know that Kona is the, is the home of the world championship location for the, the, the world championships for Ironman distance triathlon. And so as soon as I got back, got to Kona, I got re-engaged with triathlon and guess what? It was a lot safer, a lot more hospitable to be out on the roads running and biking. And, and so I, I just got re-engaged with that. That was the, the light bulb that was illuminated for me, was that our built environment, how we design our communities, how we design our streets, really has a tremendous impact on encouraging us to live a healthy, active lifestyle. And for me at the time, that healthy, active lifestyle equated to athleticism and doing, you know, insane <laughs> activities in terms of, you know, going for a, a, a 112 mile bike ride, which I don't do anymore. But what that did was it really sort of clued me into that. And then I discovered, you know, I, I got into the wormhole of, uh, of the built environment, urbanism. And before I knew it, I was engaged with the Congress for New Urbanism and uh, had a chance to, to meet Chuck and, and, and dive into the Strong Towns movement. And, yeah, that's, that's really the origin story of me shifting gears, you know, from health promotion and disease prevention from a corporate campus sort of, you know, philosophy to our cities and our built environment and how we design them and how that impacts health and well-being. Yeah, that's an awesome story. What are some of the like little things, if you can think back to when you were starting to notice, you know, what was making an environment friendly or not friendly to someone on foot or on a bike? Like, do you know what some of those little things were that stand out to you um, or, or that still stand out to you as you walk through any city that you're visiting? Yeah, I, I think that it's it, it's exactly what you would intuitively imagine. It's how inviting it is to exist outside your front door, outside your your the comfort of your home, and outside the comfort of an automobile. In other words, can you go for a walk? Can you go for a run? Can you uh, go for a bike ride and not feel as if you're taking your life into your, into your hands by doing so. And so I, I, that's, that's the key thing is how truly conducive and inviting is that environment uh, to be able to, you know, to live a healthy, active lifestyle outside your home. Yeah. And I know that a lot of the people that you talk with and work with and, and like the movement that you are working towards is not, only about like athletes or people who are just going to go out for a jog every day for exercise. Isn't it also, it's about like a, a whole active lifestyle where, where you can walk or bike to go to the grocery store or the school or the doctor's office or whatever. It's, it's like more than just the ability to exercise. Is that accurate to what you're, what you're working towards? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think of uh, physical activity, uh, and the way that I define the word activity is is that yes, it's it's 
athletic types of endeavors. You know, it's it's stuff like sports and it's playing, uh, you know, different types of, of recreational sports and activities. But it's but it's also just movement. I mean, the very first thing I said is, is it safe enough for you to go for a walk? That is physical activity. And in fact, when we look at from a public health perspective, when we dive down and look at the data, we see that if a person is living a healthy, active lifestyle and is just moving, exerting, and it doesn't have to be running marathons and it doesn't have to be running sprints and it doesn't have to be cycling the Tour de France. I mean, you gain tremendous benefit from a health well-being perspective when uh, you just get out and move and it can be active hobbies. It could be gardening. It could be hiking. You know, it, it, it doesn't have to be athleticism per se. It's just, you know, getting, getting moving something beyond just sitting on the couch at your desk, etc. in a car, the worst. <laughs> I think a lot of us had that recognition over the last year when we're like, stuck in our houses all day. I mean, I know I instituted for myself like a rule that I had to go for a walk or a jog like every single day. I don't care if it was like raining or snowing, like just otherwise I was going to be not having good mental health or physical health. Um, And I I think that that's a common thing, like just recognizing the need to be outside and, and move your body once a day is so valuable. Yeah, I mean, and you you just brought up a really, really good point of the difference of um, being able to get outside and to do this. Because, uh, yes, I mean, I used to create environments where it was mostly focused on physical activity indoors because I was building fitness centers and wellness programs that were you know, primarily facilities that were indoors. But what we know from uh, an epidemiological perspective is that the wellness and the benefits are so much greater when we are outside, especially if we can be outside in a comfortable, pleasant environment, maybe even get a little nature in as well. Yeah. So in your your work with Active Towns, who do you partner with or get to connect with? Um, Who else is, is doing this work alongside you? Well, I'm really, you know, sort of at this interesting intersection of, you know, public health and since it's public health and the built environment, I'm at this interesting intersection of, you know, the urbanists, the public health professionals, as well as the transportation professionals. And the reason why the transportation professionals is because when you when you take a step back and look at the majority of our public realm, uh, when we think about the built environment, so much of it is our streets and roads. And as we mentioned multiple times, you know, can you venture outside of your door and can you, you know, get a walk? Are you able to uh, jump on your bike and take care of your daily needs? without having to get in a, into a car. And so, you know, there's that intersection. I like to say that, you know, a city, a community is, you know, has the ability to create a culture of activity that is supported by the environment that they have. 
And the environment is influenced by, you know, some of the things that they build and some of the things that are just there naturally. But when you look at the the things, the actual physical things uh, where we could pull out the map and say, okay, so you're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin now. So I can pull out a map of Milwaukee and say, okay, over here, we have a park. That's an activity asset. Over here, we have a pool. That's an activity asset. Over here, we have a pathway and a trail. That's an activity asset. And over here, we have these wonderful new protected bike lanes. These are all activity assets. And when, when we have activity assets that are attractive, they're safe, they're comfortable, they're convenient, and they're designed for all ages and abilities, everyone feeling comfortable, you know, being in using those facilities and being in that environment, then we take a lot of the resistance away from, you know, being active. Because let's face it, we know that we as humans should be active, but there's a lot of resistance there to doing that. <laughs> we know we should do it, but it's so hard. And so when we create an environment that's truly, truly inviting, it makes a difference. And so it's it's not that old adage of, you know, just build it and they will come. It's like the build it part, it's, it is true, build it and they will come because if it isn't built, they won't come. But at the same time, you have to make sure that it's truly safe and inviting. So context really, really matters. And when you have a whole suite of activity assets across your community that truly inspire people and support people in becoming and maintaining their activity levels, you can create a culture of activity. Mm. It seems like also so many of these assets that you're talking about, um, most of them are like freely uh, accessible to anyone in a, you know, their public places. It's not a gym that you have to pay a fee to, to get to visit, but you know, it's just like find a tennis racket and you can use this tennis court or get some running shoes and anyone can, can use this trail. Is that also a component of your work? Like making sure that places are, uh, that these sorts of activities are available to everyone, no matter their income. Well, that's a big, big part of it. I mean, that's the accessibility part of it. Uh, but the reality is, is that even like, say you mentioned tennis and, and yes, uh, a, a court, the, the court that I can walk to just uh, up the road here um, that happens to be at a, a small sort of po- pocket park uh, sort of thing. It's not a very big park. It's, it's just sort of attached to the, the, the elementary school here in our neighborhood. You know, it's got two courts and, and you can walk up to it. They're not in the best condition in the world. But that's an activity asset. It's something I can walk to. There also happens to be a, a a little natural surface trail that you know sort of winds around you know the property there. That's also an activity asset. However, there's no you know facilities there. There's no like uh, you know there's no bathroom facilities there. There's no, you know, there's no you know water f- fountain right there. Those would have been very uh, beneficial activity assets to. You know, to have. So activity assets can be just even the smallest little thing, like a drinking fountain, you know, like trees. <laughs> you know, one of my favorites, uh, 
little interactions that I had with Chuck was when we were down in San Antonio. We were uh, keynote presenters at a health in the built environment uh, presentation down there in 2014. And, you know, we, we made our way over to this neighborhood and went into this tree canopy area. And he was just blown away by the impact that the tree canopy had because it was a hot day. And, you know, he was melt melting since he's from Minnesota. He was like, this, yeah. is, you know, this is incredibly hot. But you mentioned, let's go back to the tennis courts. You mentioned, you know, do they need to be free? Well, the accessibility, it certainly helps if it's low cost or free. But even if it's a private club, that's still an activity asset. It's a little bit more limiting because not everyone can take advantage of it, but it's still an activity asset. Even retail establishments like a running shoe store or a tennis store, a specialty tennis store, are activity assets because it's a place where people can, you know, meet their need of being able to, you know, explore what it would take to buy the correct equipment and maybe uh, an opportunity to meet other like-minded people that, you know, like are maybe just getting started and need some support. And so activity assets are oftentimes, you know, they might be hiding. <laughs> you, you don't, you don't like look at them and say, oh yeah, that kind of supports a culture of activity. Yeah. A bike Great rack. Great point. Mm-hmm. A bike rack at a, at a coffee shop in front of a coffee shop, a business that says, you know what? I would give up that, that spot in front of my business, you know, and, and, and say, you know what? I would just assume not have a car parking there. I would rather have, 12 bikes and micro mobility devices parking there. That's an activity asset because it again encourages and supports active mobility. So, what has Active Towns been part of lately um, or accomplished that you're especially proud of for, from the last, last couple of years? Well, I think the, the the most obvious thing and and the most salient thing is the pivot to handling the pandemic, and and what I mean by that is you know I had been on a three to four year world tour of you know traveling around to, to places and filming. So I was I, I had been working on a on a documentary and and was you know traveling all over the place filming and, and profiling the amazing things that cities are doing to to become uh, more activity friendly and specifically more bike friendly. Well travel wasn't going to happen anymore. <laughs> so I had to do something. And so I immediately pivoted and launched the Active Towns podcast. And I have to say, I'm having an absolute ball doing this. And I knew I needed to do it at some point in time. I knew I wanted to do it at some point in time. But the the fact that I couldn't travel just said, now, <laughs> now is the time to do it. And, and I did it pretty immediately. I, uh, by the time, uh, the end of March rolled around, I had already, uh, recorded and posted multiple episodes and, uh, today, or I'm going to finish up the, uh, production work on the 77th, uh, episode. So season two is, is heading out and, and our 77th uh, total episode is going out. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been amazing because, in the midst of a you know global pandemic and a terrible terrible situation, 
you know, technology, you know, like the technology we're using to, to record this right now, technology sort of enabled me to be able to reach out and, and talk with people, you know, all over the world. After I hang up with you today, I'll be interviewing somebody in Amsterdam. And then later today, I'll be interviewing somebody in Australia. So it's, it, yeah, it is. It's so very, very cool. So what I need to be able to do, because this, as you well know, is a lot of work <laughs> to produce these things. Uh, what I need to be able to do is find that happy balance because Active Towns is a very, very small nonprofit. It's just me. Uh, so I need to be able to find a balance of keeping the, the podcast rolling along while I shift back into a mode of traveling, which is going to happen in two weeks because I'll be attending the, uh, the uh, Bike Walk Places uh, conference coming up in, in Indianapolis. Got it. Yeah. So I was going to ask what, what is next for Active Towns? Are you going to get back out um, and continue filming that documentary? That is a wonderful, wonderful question. I hope to, yes. Uh, I need to follow up with those cities that were part of the original 10 cities that I was following. We have a couple of other cities that really are uh, trending and moving along quicker. And that's been the nice thing about the, the podcast because I've been able to reconnect with those same individuals and those same contacts that I had been working with on the, on, on the, the filming. And so the answer is yes. I, I will definitely get back out there once it's truly, truly safe to do so, and I, I can raise enough funds to be able to, you know, to hit the road again, uh, that will happen. But the great thing is, is I had so much content, so much footage, and so many contacts that it's just been really, really fun to be able to dive back into that, produce a little short form content, and then also dive back into that Rolodex of people. Oh, wait a minute. Rolodex. That's really old school. No, I <laughs> but, you know, back into that uh, address book and say, you know, hey, I, you know, by the way, I, I, I know we, we can't really get together in person like we had, you know, over the past years. But, hey, would you be willing to, to get on the podcast and talk about, you know, the progress that's happening? So, yeah, um, definitely want to get back into doing that. And, and also more and more speaking and working with cities and talking, uh, you know, to helping them guide their way. Because one of the things that, uh, that I have because of how I came to this is a rather unique position of understanding health behavior and, and how our human behavior dynamics impacts, you know, whether we, choose to live a healthy, active lifestyle. And so that intersection of what we build, how we build it, and how we can, you know, get people engaged in it and doing that. And, you know, and, and being able to live with a healthier, we know we need to, we just need that little nudge. Yeah. So to close this out here, what advice would you offer to anyone listening who wants to help make their community more active and more um, welcoming for people that want to be active? I think what I would say is this, is that there's another side to those activity assets. As I alluded to, you, you, you can't just build them and expect people are going to come. Yes, if you build them, that's going to be incredibly important because if they don't exist, they can't use it. But what they, what you build and the, the finite, uh, fine-tuned uh, 
aspects of them really matter. In other words, design really matters. It has to be a truly authentic, safe and inviting environment for somebody. But even then, it's still not enough. For cultural change, you need to also back that up with what I call software activity assets. And that's the programming. That's the engagement activities. Those are the things that help to encourage you know, people to, uh, to change that lifestyle. And so that's the other side of things is it's not just build it, but you have to build it, activate it, engage with people, listen to folks, you know, continue to support them. And then you, you get that, you know, you get that, you know, sort of transition of behavior that you're looking to, to have. And uh, the software activity assets are everything from, as I mentioned, you know, engagement activities, programming and things, but it's also policies. And so it actually, they're, they're self-reinforcing the hardware activity assets, you know, things that are on the ground are also self-supported by the software activity assets, because without the policies to to create the initiative and the funding necessary to build these things, uh, you know, you have, they all, they work together. Yeah, well said. Well, John Zimmerman, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I will definitely be sending people to the Active Talents website and podcast. Where else should people go um, if they want to connect with you and, and this movement? Yeah, so we are very, very active out on social media, especially on Facebook. Uh, we also have our Instagram channel out there and also Twitter. So Active Towns on all of those uh, platforms. And then you can always look me up on uh, LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, John. Great to talk with you as always. Oh, thank you so much, Rachel. It's an absolute joy. All right. Make sure you check out John's website, activetowns.org and all the other stuff he is doing on various social media outlets. Feel free to get in touch with me if you have anything to share, feedback for the show, guests to suggest, information about something you're doing in your community to make it stronger. I'd love to hear from you. Rachel at strongtowns.org is my email. Hit me up. And if you did not get a chance to join us last week as a member, our door is always open to you. Join with people like John Zimmerman and be part of this movement that is changing the development pattern across North America for the better. That's a pretty audacious goal, and we need you, we need your neighbors to join if you want to help make it happen. Thank you so much to everyone who is already a supporting member of this movement. You guys rock. Head to strongtowns.org membership to become a member today. Also, a quick update on the new Strong Towns book that is coming out in a few months, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer by Charles Marone. We just announced a bunch of bonuses that you can get if you pre-order the book now, including access to chapter one of the book immediately, a 20% discount to our Strong Towns Academy, advanced access to a series of confession videos we're going to be releasing um, before the book comes out, and a free ticket to Confessions of an Engineer Live, which is going to be an exclusive Q&A just for folks that pre-order the book. Confessions.engineer is the website. Um, we've got a page with lots of different ways to pre-order from whatever your favorite website, local bookstore is. And as soon as you do that, you'll get your bonuses as a thank you. 
All right, folks, it's great to be with you as always. Hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you back here for the next episode. Take care.